Well, welcome to week number two of a series we're calling Reinvent. And in this series, what we're doing is we're giving God permission to change us so that our lives can be transformed, right? Because we want God, well, fix this area, God, fix that area, God, do something over here, God. And God says, I can't do all that unless you let me change you. Because who you are is where, where, and what you are on the inside is where it all stems from and flows from. And so that's what we're doing in this series. Each week is a different practical uh, area to focus on. Last week we began with the idea of the heart. But before we, we keep going today, what I want, want to just encourage you in is small groups are open. You say, that was a hard transition. Yeah, I want you, I want you to know something. Some, one of the ways we got to open our hearts is to small groups. So I don't like I don't like just meeting with people, just me and my four, no more. Well, that ain't the way to go about it, amen? You know, what we need to do is we need to have somebody, let others into our world. You know, well, we'll figure it out. Well, how's that working for you? Right? Amen? I need people in my life. You need people in your life. God didn't mean, cause us and desire for us to do this life alone. He wants us to do it with people that will encourage us. And so just go to our website, sign up, go to the connection point afterwards, get in a group. I won't go through all of them today. But, but I want to just encourage you to do that. So last week, we began the reInvent series, and we talked about the idea of giving God permission to reinvent our lives and our hearts, because everything in our life flows out of our where heart right and so while it's important to have your heart in the right place Jesus also spoke about the heart and and how important it was uh, really to reinvent our lives and we'll unpack that a little bit as we go but Matthew twenty two thirty seven, Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment and he replied you must love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind this is the what first and greatest commandment so what he's saying here is it's not just why I just love God. It goes way beyond your heart. It is supposed to go to your soul. It's supposed to go to your mind. And so your thought patterns are really important. In fact, our series verse in this series is Romans 12, 2, where it says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. It's a good place to start. But let God transform you into a new person by, look at this, changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's perfect will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so some translations say here that we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, right? But, it's, it, but, but I love this language that change the way you think. Our thought process, the way we think is really important. So I was doing a little research in preparation for today's message, and I ran across an article, um, and they were laying out that in their studies that here's most people's thought processes, the way most people think. I do or say something. I evaluate. If you're like most of us, we say, I think I can do better. Right? That's where we go. And then we try to do better. Right? And then we don't like the results. So then we, it's the C word, complain. We complain, right? Come on. Then we give up, right? And we don't do it again. And if we do it again, we do it again with only a little bit more complaining. <laughs> and we just kind of repeat that cycle. And you've known, you know, some people have really mastered the complaining loop, right? They just, they just do that all the time over and over again. And so this, this, my, my point here is that thinking this way leaves you stuck and the same. 
It's not a part of reinventing your life. And so, so you know what the definition of insanity is, doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. So we, we've got to make a change. And so now s- some of us, though, we think differently. And sometimes it's humorous. This week, Kim, uh, she was, she she'd got a request. She was jury duty Monday. She had jury duty on Monday. And so she was going down for jury duty. And she, her biggest prayer was, don't, Lord, don't let them pick me, right? And uh, she was going to do her civic duty. And she was going down there. And y- y'all know what Vordire is when the lawyers are trying to figure out who the jurors are going to be. And so she was sitting there in Vordire's. And one lawyer after another lawyer after another lawyer went. And finally, this other guy got up. And he droned on for 30, 45 minutes. And she was bored out of her gourd, as the saying goes. And he says, he says, so I just have one more point, and then you won't hear from me anymore. And Kim went, <laughs> in the middle of the courtroom. Needless to say, there was a lot of looks, you know, like the judge, you know. And, uh, but, you, but you know what? She just thinks differently. She's like, yeah, we are about done with this, Right. And she didn't get picked, nor did she get put in jail, but that's a whole nother thing. So here's the thing. To change our thoughts, we've got to change the way we think. <clears throat> to, to renew our mind, it isn't just about having different thoughts. It's actually about changing the way we think. According to this same article that I was reading, it says high, highly, intention, highly successful pe- people actually think differently. Here's what what it said about them. Highly successful people intentionally focus on being instead of doing. Well, that's biblical because God's very interested in who we are and who we are determines what we do, right? The Bible talks about that a lot. The second thing they also do is they evaluate instead of complain. Turn to somebody and say, good idea. That will save your day right there. If you do that one. The third thing they do is they intentionally shut down negative self-talk. Most of us are masters at negative self-talk, right? We're really good at that. And so all of this, it confirms what we already know from Scripture, and that, it, that doing flows from being, that, that who we are determines what we do. So to, to reinvent our lives, we must first believe that we are who God says we are. Not what circumstances say, not how it looks around us, not what the pressures are saying, right? And so I I had this thought, and I want you to write this down. Surrendering our lives to Jesus is adopting a new belief system and a new way of thinking. I mean, if you're really going to live for Jesus, you've got to begin to think differently. That's what Romans 12, 2 just told us right here about God, about your life, about your family, about yourself about your situation, about every person. God has a way of thinking that's not like the rest of the world. It's a different way of thinking. So, so let me give you, there are, there are probably dozens and dozens I could have picked, picked from, but I want to just give you three what, new ways of thinking just to kind of stretch you a little bit this morning. And here's the first one. From being, you know, we, we always say, well, well, I'm just human, right? So I'm, I'm going to say it this way. From being born to being born again. That's a new way of thinking, right? When we give our lives to Jesus, we are not our old self trying to become better. We are a new person. We're born again. Everyone say reborn. reborn. 
John 3, Jesus was talking there to Nicodemus. He says, I tell you the truth, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go into his mother's womb and be born again? Good question, by the way. Verse 5, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans can only reproduce human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth or gives, yeah, gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. So if you've given your life to Jesus, if you've repented of your sins and turned your life over to him, let him lead, then you are spiritually a new person. You're actually not the same person before you, as you were before you prayed that, poor, that prayer. You are a different person on the inside. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone a new life has begun. I want you to think about this. Everything you've done previously before you gave your life to Jesus is gone when you give your life to him. Amen. And yet what, what are most of us hung up on, a, on and, a, and about? The old life. It's gone. It doesn't feel gone. doesn't mean it's not gone. It's gone. He says it's, it's gone. A new li- you have begun a new life. So let's, let's think about, I like thinking about things a different way. So let's, let's think about it this way. If you are not made new, you do not belong to Christ. Because if you are belonging to Christ, you are made new. You can't have one without the other. So the real you, your spirit, is brand new when you believe. So, so what stands in the way of living uh, out of this new way of thinking? Well, one of the things that, that stands in the way for us is is just how we think right and so that's why god when you one of the signs i I put it this way a new way of thinking indicator i'm going to give you three of them today here's the first one spiritual hunger one of the ways you know you're born again is you have a hunger for the things of god like you want to get up and come to church you want to read your bible you want to pray you want to be around other believers you want to grow in your walk with Christ. That, that, there's a hunger there. And if you don't have the hunger, then the question you need to be asking, because some of us, we come just because, you know, well, I'm supposed to. Make the wife happy. Make the hubby happy. No, 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 no. When, when you don't feel like it, and we all have times where we're like, I'm not sure I feel like it. But, but here's the thing. If it's an overriding thing that you don't have that hunger, you need to ask yourself, am I really born again? Because if you are born again, you're going to have spiritual hunger for the things of God because you've been made alive to God. Amen? Amen. The other thing that can happen, though, is if you don't have hunger, life may have choked it out. And I want to take a little extra time on this one. We're not going to spend as much time on all of them. But, but the, Jesus talked about something in Matthew chapter 13 that I think it's important to understand in this context today. And he said, now, he told this parable and the disciples said, ah, we don't get it. You ever read something and said, I don't get it? Just make it plain. Well, Jesus is good at that. In verse 18, he said, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farming, farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes, snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. 
So you can be born again and you cannot see any pro progress in your Christian life and your transformation to be more like Christ because every time you hear the word, it just, it just gets stolen away. And that's one of the reasons I work very hard trying to help make Scripture understandable so you can walk away with it and live it the other six days of the week and hopefully for the rest of your life. Right? That's, that, God wants us to get it on the inside of us. But for some of us, we could help ourselves. If we just got in a small group, you knew it was coming. Because <laughs> sometimes you just need to think, slow down. You need to hear somebody say something. You need to hear somebody say it kind of through their filter and how they, and, and, then, you, and then you don't understand. You say, well, I don't get this. And somebody older, wiser can come along and say, hey, let me help you understand that. That's God's plan. That'll help you move forward. Amen? So sign up at hpfc.org forward slash groups. All right, there we go. <laughs> Here's what verse 20 said. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. You ever heard, heard a word like, man, that is great. Now look what happens. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. I'm not going to go there. I, I should. It's just perfect place. I can't tell you how many times over the years people have come to me. It doesn't happen that often, but when it happens, it always, I always take note. Pastor, that was fantastic. It was a great message. We'll be back here all the time. And I never see him again. <laughs> this is what's going on. They're not liars. They received something. They got something in them, but they didn't have the roof. They didn't have something around them. They didn't have the soil, the groups holding them. To, oh, I... You see groups right there. So they don't last long. They fall away as soon as, look at this, as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. So here's the thing about being in a small group. When you're in a small group, you have people around you and you go through a problem. Our natural reaction is to run from the people when we have the problem. A new way of thinking is when you have the problem, run to your peeps. Get with some other believers. Get some people that can, that can encourage you and help you. You say, well, I don't, they don't have the answers. It may not be answers you need. You may just need to survive another day knowing somebody loves you and somebody cares about you and, and they're praying for you. That might be what you need that day. And God knows. He'll bring out the right thing. So, again, plug into a small group. Find a friend. hpsc.org forward slash groups. I'm here to help you. Verse 22. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life. You ever felt that? And the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Your small group will help you here. Come on, let's just lean into that. Help you prioritize God. You know, one of the things that I've seen over the years as pastors, people come into church and say, man, I'm, Pastor, I'm pleading God for a job. We're praying, you know, like we pray with them and we're believing God with you. And the first opportunity that comes up is a Sunday work job or a, a take them out of Tuesday night small group or Thursday night small, whatever they're, you know. It's like takes them completely out of church and they can't, and so then they fall away. Now, I'm not saying don't take that job, but, but do what you can to have some boundaries. I'll take this on one condition. Give me a couple Sundays off a month or whatever, you know, because I know there's pressure out there. I know that's a, that's a tension, but we, we need people that will encourage us to make those hard, hard calls. Amen? Verse 23, the seed that fell, oh, good soil. Say, so that's me. 
represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, even 100 times as much as has been planted. That's the goal. That's what we want for you around here, that you will stand before the Lord someday and he will look at you and he will say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of the Lord. Why? Because your life was fruitful for him. Amen. It did something for him. Amen? So, so a new way of thinking is going from being born to being born again to a new life. Here's another new way. This will help you. Anxious to peace-filled. We'll go a little quicker on this one. So anxiety appears to be at an all-time high. You know, statistics tell us that. In fact, many times, you know, it's just more able to be talked about today, it seems like, and that's a good thing. But according to the Bible, we can decrease whatever your anxiety level is. I offer to you today that according to God's Word, you can decrease your anxiety level by renewing your mind to the way of God's thinking. Here's what Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. One translation says, be anxious for nothing. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then, when? When you've told Him what He needed, when you've thanked Him for what He's done, right? You prayed. Then you will experience God's peace, which, which exceeds anything we can understand. It's not going to make sense. His peace will guard, look at this, your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, there's an old school phrase, are you prayed up? Remember that one, prayed up? Are you prayed up? That's, that comes from having a daily habit of prayer. You know, what I like to encourage people to do is spend your time praying before you start going through the day. Because you don't know what you're going to face. You ever even read a scripture, like you got off your Bible reading plan and you read it three days later, and you go, oh, I could, that would have been really good if I'd have read that three days earlier. Yeah, I could have used it that day. Yeah, God's, you know, he's working all things out for our good, amen? So, so, so like, like a car, cars hit potholes, right? And in life, we hit potholes. Can't plan them, can't see them. I mean, I was driving in one city one time, and I, I'm following behind this guy, and I, and I'm just watching the ladder come off the back of that truck right towards me. And I'm a little, thankfully I missed it. But you know, that's the way life is. You don't know what's going to fall off of somebody else's truck. So you've got to have some shock absorbers. It'll make things better. And prayer is the same way. If you're prayed up, something will happen. It, it doesn't bottom you out. You, get, you got a little, bit, a little bit of cushion because you got some reserve in your life. You, you're prayed up. You know, are, are you willing to take some time to talk to the, the, the person, the, the being that created the universe and his power over everything? Amen. I mean, I think that'd be worth it. Amen? Do yourself a favor. Turn to somebody and say, do yourself a favor. Amen? Pray instead of worry. By the way, anxiety is just your warning sign. You're, you need some prayer. I said, just, just your warning sign. It's like, oh. So the problem is you got to catch yourself. Because we can be three hours down an anxiety thought process, and we don't even recognize it. Why? Because it's our habit. Amen? Here's another new way of thinking. I provide to God provides. Now, this one get a little tricky because we can get messed up with language. But, but the Bible tells us to work hard, right? Work hard, listen to the Holy Spirit, so much more about doing our part. But here's the question. Where is your trust? 
Where is my trust? What are we relying on? If we're relying on our own, own ability, I only got 168 hours in a week, and I can't work all those. Not even for one week. So we need somebody outside of us. We need God. So, so the question is, are we, are we trusting ourselves to provide, or are we trusting God to provide? Who, who, who are we trusting? Here's what his word said, Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad I didn't say, according to the piddly of a little amount I can get accomplished every day? It's according to his riches. That's a good thing, amen? That's a great promise. Remember back in Genesis 22 where God spoke to Abraham and said, hey, I want you to go take Isaac, your son, the son I promised you, and I want you to go sacrifice him. And he went off right away and did it. Here's what verse 14 says after God provided. Abraham named the place Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh is the way we typically say it, which means the Lord, what? Will provide. So how do you approach your financial situations? What's your, is your, does your way of thinking go, the Lord will provide? <laughs> Let me just be really careful. Man, I want this fancy new car. I'm going to go down and sign off this big old, the Lord will provide. No, 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 no. That's folly. That's not faith. That's foolishness. Okay? That's a, that's a problem. But, but Abraham's approach when God asked him to sacrifice Isaac was basically when Abraham trusted, then God provided. What do we want? We want God to provide, and then we promise him we'll trust. Right? That's, that's really what we, we want. So um, showing God we trust him in our finances. Everybody pick up your toes a little bit. Here it comes. Shown by what we do with our finances. Here's what Malachi 3.8 says. Should people cheat God? What do you think the answer to that is? No. Yet you have cheated me. Ooh. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? The, the religious people, the, the people in church on Sunday, were, Saturday back then, were asking. He says, you've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. Got quiet in here. <laughs> Verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's a local church. That's a local church. So there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test, he says. That's the only way. It's a good way to test God is right there. That's the only way. See, see tithing is a new way of thinking. We don't, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, you know, I think I just want to give away 10% of my money. And, uh, you know, we act like it's ours, but, but we, you know, nobody gets up that way. You know, but believing my life will be better, more blessed, because I return to God through the local church is a new way of thinking. Totally radical. Now, I'm completely bold about teaching about tithing. There was a day when I wasn't. And by the way, you that are guests, I, I know some of you might thought, I knew it. If I go to church, I'm going to talk about money. We don't talk about it every Sunday, but we're talking about it today. All right? And we'll, we'll do it in a life-giving way, but, but because it's a new way of thinking. When you trust God to provide, you'll receive his peace, his provision in your life. Now, I want to just say this is true for those of us in the building, and this is true for those online. We love you. 
But you know what some of us think? Some of us think, well, you know, I'm going to give because, you know, they're running the AC and there's toilet paper and, you know, all, all the stuff, you know, so I'm going to give a little bit of something. That's, that's not the, that's not, you're not paying to, to pay for stuff. You're giving to God. You're giving to God. Say, you're giving to God. So tithing isn't even about when you gather. Tithing is about what you do with your money, whether you ever darken the door of a building or not. It has to do with everything. Amen? So tithing is declaring your trust in God to provide by returning something to Him from what He already has provided. Isn't that something? We want Him to provide, but if we want to really be honest, He's already provided. Y'all dress pretty nice today. He's provided. Amen? You got food in your belly. He's provided. Amen? So, um, so I want to just encourage you. Here's, here's the big test. How do you know if you trust God to provide? If you tithe. That's the litmus test. That's the litmus test. So uh, this is a new way of thinking. It's all throughout the Bible. You say, well, Jesus doesn't talk about it. He says, yeah, you should do these other things, but don't leave the tithe undone. He brings it into the New Testament. So the new way of thinking, your indicator is, I, am I returning to God the first 10% of my income? Now, listen very carefully. Don't, don't, don't lock me out here. This is really important. Some of you are not there yet. But if you start at $10, $20 a paycheck, I want to commend you. I want to celebrate that with you. And you just start being consistent. And then you start watching God provide. And you start cutting out the needless things. And you start, you start just getting your life in order. And then you just start increasing. Set a goal for a year from now to be tithing. I believe God will honor that. There I, somebody give me a little courage. Uh, Lord, okay. $20 a paycheck for the rest of your life is not growing in that area. Amen? Now, I say that as a pastor who a church has no debt. We're not going broke. We're not going under if today's offering is zero. So I'm not doing it from that perspective. The point I'm making is I want something for you. I want you to get a new way of thinking because when you do, it opens up a whole world of possibilities of believing God in an area that most of us really struggle to believe God. We don't know how to do it. So start where you are and just keep growing it. Amen? So, so, so I'm going I'm to tell you four things. You say, I'm, I'm broke, Pastor. Here's four things. See in the Scriptures where God is your provider. Get that in your heart. Number two, give something to God every paycheck. Consistency. Start with consistency. Something, all right? And then three, get your finances in order. One of Jesus' favorite words is budget. If you don't know where your money's going, oh, that's a whole other thing. Some of y'all don't know I was a CPA before I became a pastor, so we'll just let that one go. And then you just increase your giving until you get to the full tithe, amen? So, um, and, and then some of us say, well, pastor, I just want things. Who doesn't? I want things too. Right? We all want things. How many remember when you got your first pay raise? And you're like, man, I'm rich. <laughs> Two weeks later, it was spent five more in the future, right? Five more paychecks in the future, right? And we can all, our wanter will always increase. 
So you just got to, this is about prioritizing. Matthew 6, not in the notes or anywhere. It just says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Amen. Y'all good? Good. All right. So, so that's some examples of the transitions in our way of thinking we need to make. But you may be asking today, well, pastor, how do I make those transitions? in all my ways, all the different areas of my life. So let's talk about developing God's new way of thinking, okay? I'm going to give you five things. I'm going to give them to you quick. You ready? Here's the first one, identify. Identify. Like anxiety, you got to figure out when you're three hours into a whole bunch of anxious thoughts before you get to three hours. So you got the quicker you can identify it, the more you can do something about it. So Psalm 25, 4 says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. For you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. I like that, all day long. Some of you struggle in the morning. Some of you struggle at noon. Some of you struggle at night. Some of you struggle in the middle of the night. All day long. Lord, show me your ways. So you just, just make this a prayer. God, show me your ways. You're going through. You're, you know, you're having all kinds of thoughts. You're dealing with something. Show, you, show me your ways. And then, and then I promise you, when you start asking him to show, show you his ways and how they're different from your ways, you'll see it. He'll show you. He's good at that. Here's number two. Reject it. Reject your way of thinking. That's what you get. By the way, this is active. This is an active thing. The biblical way of rejecting something in your life is called repentance. But you say, I am turning away from that, and I'm turning toward what God has for me. I, I, I'm, I'm going that direction. Here's what 1 John 1, 1.8 says. If we claim we have no sin... In other words, if we claim our way of thinking is right, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Isn't that good? And then he had to add verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. All right? So, when he shows us, do we claim we're doing things his way? Do we claim we have no So really what we're saying is we claim we have no sin when the Bible says one thing and we say, but my situation is different. Or, and this is just one of many, that's too hard. When Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not too hard. So what we're really doing is we're rejecting, in that moment, we're rejecting God's way of thinking instead of rejecting our way of thinking. We haven't really repented. And so simply what we need to do when God shows us a new way of thinking, we just need to reject ours, accept his. And in fact, like it says here, when we reject his, it shows that his word has no place in our heart. So you can read your daily Bible reading plan 365 days a year, all of that. But if we keep rejecting it, you say, well, I don't want to reject it, so I'm not going to read it. No, 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 that's a wrong, wrong way of thinking, right? Right? So we, so we just, we just got to decide, I, 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 want, I want his word to have priority in me. Amen? Amen? Repentance is more than asking forgiveness, too. It's actually turning away from your way of thinking and to God's way. So identify, reject, and here's the fun one replace replace psalm 119 11 i've hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you remember last week whatever has your heart has you amen 
So what do we do? We read the Word. We meditate on the Word. That's just thinking about it over and over. We memorize the Word. We pray the Word. We speak the Word over our situations. All, you just got a whole message right there. And what's going to happen is the more you use that Word, get it on your mouth, get it in your heart, it's going to be in your, it's going to write deeply in you. Amen? And so day by day, you, the Word of God is going to occupy a greater place in your life. So every time you come up against something that's not working right, Ask yourself, what does the Bible say? I got my way of thinking, and it ain't working so well. So, God, what do you say? All right? And, and just find it and put, put his word in your heart. You say, well, how do I know if something's not working as God intended? See which way it pulls your heart. Which way is this pulling my heart? More to the things of God, for, more hunger for God, or pulling me away? That's how you know. Which way, which way to go? So, well, well, Pastor, I just had a great disagreement with somebody from the church. They didn't treat me right. So, so I, I think I'm going to leave church. That's your way of thinking. It's not the Bible way of thinking. Right? That's the old way of thinking. The new way of thinking is forgive. Approach them and say, hey, are we good? If I met, have I offended you? Or, hey, you offended me. You know, can you help me understand that? You just, you work it out. Amen. I mean, if you divorced your wife every time you got a disagreement with her, I mean, where would you be? I mean, I, let me rephrase it so that we can understand it, man. If you divorced your wife every time um, she, she, you were wrong, you know, as husbands, you know, I mean, what would that leave you, right? I'm not going to go to another story. Number four. So we identify, we reject, replace. So just... Okay, here's what the word says about that. That's replace. And then number four, we lock. We lock it in. Here's what Proverbs 4.23 says again. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So put a, put a lock on your heart and in your mind about the right way of thinking. You say, well, what kind, what's a lock? Here's, here, the Bible explains itself, Philippians 4.8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Now, you could preach a message that says fix your thoughts. That'd be a, that'd be a good one, right? Uh, but it's, it's fix your thoughts on. You ever watched a, a movie with a, with a fighter pilot in it? And they're, 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 they're in a dogfight, and that, that plane that's behind is trying to get the, the, the lock on the plane in front so you can shoot it out of the sky? All right, that's the same thing here. What we're to do, all life is going okay, and, we, and, we're, and here's God's word in front. We're not trying to shoot it down, but we're trying to lock on it. So when things come up, we're already locked in. And we respond not of our, out of our way of thinking or out of the old way of thinking. We, we respond out of the word. That's the goal. And, and so here's fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. By the way, what are those characteristics of? Jesus, God and his word, a whole bunch of things. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Isn't that good? <clears throat> so lock. Here's number five. I got some good news. I got some bad news. The bad news is, well, let's go. Which one do you want first? Good. Bad news first. Bad news is this is the rest of your life. Because you're always going to, God's always going to be pointing out areas. You're always going to have old ways of thinking. You're always going to get locked into something. But then we just 
we repeat. So we identify, we reject, we replace, and we lock into a new way of thinking. That's how your life is transformed, according to Romans 12, 2. So Galatians 6, 9 says, don't get tired of doing what's good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So today's next step is just simply to reinvent your life. Change your way of thinking. Change your way of thinking. Every time something comes up, how am I looking at this? How am I seeing it? With my perspective or God's? With my ideas or God's? And you're going to begin to see, as you do these steps that I taught you today, your life's going to begin to transform. Amen? Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we, with our heads bowed and eyes closed, we just come to you today. And we are so grateful that you don't leave us how you found us. Lord, that we get to take steps. And that you, and and honestly, Father, as much as we'd love it, where you just instantly transform us in every single area, Father, we wouldn't have the appreciation for you that we have by this process that's really a lifelong journey. And so, Lord, we thank you today for for this process working on the inside of us. Lord, I pray for each person, whatever they're locked into that's not of you. Father, just in your grace and your mercy and your order and your timing, begin to show us. Help us to see what your word says. And Lord, help us to take next steps to live out of what your word says in Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed, probably the biggest transformation, I know it's the biggest transformation any person can experience, is the, is the transformation from being born to born again, from death to life. So if you're sitting here this morning or you're joining us online, you say, Pastor, I I don't have a right relationship with God, you can begin that today. And so I want to invite you to pray a prayer. Jesus came and he died on the cross for your sins. God raised him from the dead so that you don't have to be trapped in your sins. And if you just simply pray a prayer in faith, God's going to do a work. He's going to begin the transformation process in your life. So if you'd like to be a part of that, I want to just, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to just simply ask you, if you want to get in on this prayer and say, I need to give my life to Jesus, I want to start a new life with Him, would you just lift your hand? You that are online, you can do the same thing. I'm not where I need to be with God, but I want to give my life to Him. See those hands, you can put them down. Let's go to the Lord. Let's all say this together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to make me a new person. I turn away from the old life. And I turn to you. God, I believe you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. You raised him from the dead. So today, Jesus, I ask you, be the Lord. Be the leader. Be my Savior. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, can we celebrate?